This episode's guest is Ryan Harrison from Slow the Game Down. Ryan has a degree in exercise physiology from the University of California at Davis. And Ryan has worked with his father, Dr. Bill Harrison, on improving athletes' visual performance on the field since 1999. Ryan has worked with many professional athletes from many different sports. And you can get Ryan's full bio over on the show notes. On this episode, Ryan and I discuss Ryan's background. I asked Ryan, what does he do to enhance visual performance? I asked Ryan, is there an easy-to-do visual test or tests that coaches could implement with their athletes? I asked Ryan about his influences. I asked Ryan about the common mistakes he sees when it comes to vision training. I asked Ryan if he has seen any common trends in the vision development between different sports and between male and female athletes. I asked Ryan if he works with athletes online. Ryan shares with us his biggest life lessons. Ryan shares with us his top resource for life and performance. I asked Ryan to share with us his top and current reading recommendations. I asked Ryan if he only had one year left on planet Earth, how would he spend that year and why? Because he's going to be going off on the Star Trek Enterprise, baby. And finally, I asked Ryan if he could invite five people to dinner, dead or alive, who would he invite and why? Guys, this is a great conversation with Ryan, and I hope you really enjoyed the show. Ryan, thanks so much for making time. I really do appreciate it. And shout out to Jeff Meyer for connecting us together or, or telling me to connect with you and bring out to the podcast. But for the listeners who don't know who you are, give us your background. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you know, again, uh, my name is Ryan Harrison. I've been uh, training visual performance skills for the last 20 years. And uh, my degree is actually in exercise physiology. Um, but I'm, I would never consider myself an exercise physiologist. It's just what I studied in school, got through school. And really, a lot of my education came from uh, my father. And, uh, you know, as a kid, you don't really listen to your father. You know, your dad doesn't know much. You just kind of go through the, the motions. Sure, dad. Yes, dad. Okay. But, you know, as I got older, uh, he had asked me to do some work with him. And he's a uh, optometrist and started working with athletes in the early 70s, uh, working in professional baseball on visual performance. And as an optometrist, uh, a lot of people think about the medical side. Can the person see? Can they not see? But he was a, a, a forward thinker, outside the box, uh, a leader in, in this kind of uh, performance of understanding how vision affects, you know, athleticism. And that was one of the things, the reason he got into it, and he, he told, told me the story many times, is, you know, it, it was unique when he watched baseball and trying to see what did those guys have different than other people. And he really caught into the visual side of it. And then, you know, 30 years later, as you know, I listened to it as a kid, um, he asked me to go with him to spring training. I went with him. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just, uh, I was getting a thumbs up from my dad there. He, he uh, went with him to spring training and, um, you know, I saw him working with some teams. And I was kind of helping him out a little bit and going, yeah, dad really knows something. I should maybe start listening to him. So, you know, I started watching how the athletes were reacting to them. Uh, I'm hearing stories of how, how much they've helped them. And after that trip, he goes, you know, I really could use the help. Would you start working with me? 
So, you know, really is, is a great internship of working with my dad, great experiences, but I've also got to work at the top level. I got to work with professional athletes and learn and ask questions with my father of why this, why that. And with my degree in exercise physiology, my background playing sports, I was a uh, football player. Uh, I, I say a football player in college. I was really uh, a kicker in college, a place kicker, uh, which some of people don't think that's a real player, but we, we actually do, do go out there and do a few things. And so taking my sports background, my exercise physiology background and adding it to him, we've developed and created and advanced our programs. Um, really, it's, you know, it's for all athletes, but we do a lot and baseball and softball as well. Great stuff. So as I said to you just before we hopped online, like this is going to be a great conversation, not only for listeners, but for me, because I'm completely ignorant when it comes to vision training. Like I know next to nothing. It's, it's an area that I, I just haven't delved into. So like the question is like, wh- what do you do? Like, so I turn up at your facility. What's the intake process, the assessment process, the train process? What does it all like? What does it all look like? Essentially, I suppose a good question is: I meet you in a plane, I sit down beside you, and say, "What do you do?" <laughs> and, and I probably laugh just like that if you ask me what I do, because it, it is a—it's it, a little different. It's a long story. Um, it's you know, it's unique. Um, it, it's definitely a lot of fun and very interesting. But you know. What you're asking in that question is, is a lot of different things. And, and I want to backtrack a little bit. The first thing is what is vision training and, and what is sports vision, you know, and, and what does it mean and, and how does it affect? And unfortunately, you know, it, it's, it's not the best word that's used out there. Um, there's a, um, a variety. If you ask 10 people, you'd probably get 10 different answers of what sports vision is. And some people are really into it. Some people are like, oh, that's nothing. Um, sometimes it's an optometrist that just evaluates the, the, you know, contact lenses for an athlete. And now they're considered a sports vision specialist. Um, some guys are sports and conditioning trainers that, that do some, what they'll call, and I'll probably say this again, they'll call it hand-eye coordination training. Uh, which is really eye-hand coordination because the eyes lead the hands, the hands don't lead the eyes, or eye-foot or eye-body coordination. And what we do is is very different. Um, It's a combination of a a lot of different things. What what I tell a person if if an athlete's coming to me is we evaluate their visual skills. Now, when I say we evaluate their visual skills, it's not saying, can you see out of your left eye? Can you see out of your right eye? Now, that may play a role in it, and that's part of sometimes a further evaluation or um, I'm not the optometrist, but uh, you know, my father was, or we have other resources for optometry. Um, but we're really looking at how the brain and the eyes are working together, uh, how the muscles of the eyes are uh, moving the eyes and how the, the reaction of the body um, affects how the eyes move. And so we have a lot of fun, different, um, evaluation tools. Sometimes we can do things in a very uh, tight space with very little digital equipment. In our facility, we, we brought in a lot more digital stuff. We test out a lot of new equipment. We have some great um, eye tracking uh, device that's very uh, unique system that's not really on the market right now, but it measures uh, initiation of eye movements. It measures acceleration of eye movements. It measures um, uh, how well you track a, a moving object at different speeds. 
Um, and so we get a lot of feedback of eye movements uh, so that we know how to go to our next step. And our next step is really training the skills, training the depth perception, training the brain, training the, the, the neural system, um, training, you know, really the skill sets that are important to that athlete or to that sport. So, you know, it's uniqueness is like a, a hockey player, uh, position players are very different than what a goalie needs. So we have to understand that goalie and what their needs are or that position player and then design a training program that, you know, is unique to them to work on the skill sets that they need to perform. Um, the third part of it that I always tell people is really the tactical side of vision. And it's, you know, great. We got someone who's got great vision, great visual skills, but do they know how to use them when they need to perform? Or vice versa. Sometimes we have guys that don't have really good skills, but they're really good at knowing how to use their eyes to perform, whether it's boxing, whether it's uh, car racing, whether it's hitting a baseball, cricket, uh, any of those things of how they use their eyes on the field to slow things down. And, you know, we talk about athleticism and, and I'll probably bounce back a little bit out of athleticism, but as, as an athlete, um, most of these guys have experienced success. They wouldn't be where they're at if they haven't experienced success, but they've also experienced a lot of failure and, and sport is a lot of failure. But when they have that success, what they'll always say is things slowed down. They saw things really well. They didn't feel much and they weren't thinking about much at all. When they're struggling, they, they talk about, oh, I was thinking about this, thinking about that. I was feeling my mechanics. I was working on, you know, I, I thought he was going to do this. And there's chaos going on and everything seems to speed up and, and uh, look smaller. And so teaching an athlete how to control that allows them to either when they're struggling to get back on task or to stay on task more, more consistently to have more success. Some athletes find it on their own, and, uh, but a lot of athletes can learn it to, to take their game to another level. So in a nutshell, that's a lot of words, but it's really, we evaluate uh, the visual skills, we, we train those visual skills, and we train the tactical aspect of vision for the athlete to perform. Great stuff, Chris, it makes a lot of sense. So in, in terms of when, when initially an athlete comes to you, the initial assessment in terms of their, their vision like how how would how would a coach go about that if they if they weren't in sort of working relationship with an opto, optom, uh, an eye doctor optometrist yeah. yeah like how how yeah, how, how could they go do, do you use any sort of like basic visual chart or how can you tell like someone's competency in terms of their vision before you start to train it yeah i mean that's a it's a really good question and and a, maybe a little difficult to answer completely cuz you know there's a little bit of an art to it Obviously, it's not just, you know, let's test, test, test and, and see how their, their results are. Um, you know, part of it, and I tell a lot of teams this and a lot of coaches this, it's really about how sometimes the players and the athletes react to a test is as important as how they score on that test. So, you know, um, there are some great tools out there that will give some good information, whether, you know, they're expensive or not, uh, you know, inexpensive. Um, we use, you know, there's some electronic uh you know, boards like Synaptic is one that's got a testing protocol 
um, you know, there's, there's some good about it and there's some negative about it. If you really just said, look, here's the results of Synaptic and that's it, you're not getting much out of it. You got to understand what are the results and why are the results to, and how they relate to that athlete. And we also compare it to these other stuff. And optometrists, for the most part, um, you know, they really care about whether you're driving or reading a book. And so they're looking at for basic clarity. But when I work uh, with like collegiate teams, um, NCAA, uh, you know, teams, I'll find about 30 to 40% of their team are diagnosed uh, visual, like corrective wise, um, inefficiently for their sport. They're good enough for reading and walking and driving, but it's not good enough for their sport. So, you know, there, there, there's kind of a, a multiple um, legs to this as far as the evaluation. And for a sports and conditioning trainer, we are actually working on some uh, uh, certification kind of programs for that evaluation right now and education uh, pieces. But there are certain things that they can do that they can get some good information. And there's certain things that you got to go to a doctor to get other information on there that a trainer would, would never know. Um, I'm lucky that I got kind of both sides. I kind of understand where, where, where things are coming. And if things look weird, I know where to go next. But there are certain things that, you know, depth perception, uh, the synaptic evaluation, right eye has an evaluation. Um, there's certain equipment that can be utilized for evaluation. But I think here's the key thing. If, for anyone who's coaching kids uh, or, you know, whatever level of athlete is a simple t- of hey can you see that across the room cover one eye cover the other eye can you see that and if there's something that just like they're not quick at it or um they're they're struggling seeing then there needs to you know okay hey go on to the next issue now the other uh tell all is how they perform so let's just say in the strength and conditioning world you got them as strong as you can be at you know at that age um, they're fast, they move, they move great. You know, they can always be better, but you know, they're moving really well, but they're just not getting it on the field. They're late on things. There's probably a vision issue that is involved that, that demands further information. Now, um, I, I do believe that the evaluation is important, but the training pro- is more important. Uh, and a lot of these kids and athletes can train their skills to be better even if they're good and i'm going to tell you like my my brain starts spinning on here i get excited a little bit but um you know i look at myself what we do is almost like a physical therapist versus a strength and conditioning guy you know if i if i hurt my ankle i'm going to go to the physical therapist And then when I'm ready to perform, I'm going to go to the strength and conditioning guy to get stronger and better and faster and quicker. And what most people think in sports vision is vision therapy. If there's a damage, there's issues, um, we need to go get them fixed. And I, we look at it as, man, you're pretty good. You're not bad. You could be better. It could be, you know, worse, but let's figure out what are the limits? What can we push you up to? How can we get you better? So even though the evaluation is important, it's really the training. How can we how can we put the visual stress, the mental stress, the physical stress, and see how their vision breaks down, and how we can improve that in in all the conditioning. So, uh, you know, multitasking, uh, you know, neurocognitive training while we're doing conditioning stuff, while we're doing movement stuff. 
that's what sport really is, is the ability to see, process, and move. And if we only are working on the moving, you know, I, they're going to be good, but it's going to help them. And I think it's important, but we still got to be able to learn how to see while we move too. And aside from your, your, your father, who else has been a big influence in you in terms of how you train and, and, and how you develop athletes? Well, you know, I, I, I'm very lucky with, with my dad because uh, he was very influential he, and most of the people have gotten to know him and, um, you know, it, he was uh, he, he was pretty amazing and pretty smart and, you know, you never, uh, I, I don't think of that as, as a son, but, you know, as, as a business partner, it was, it was pretty amazing to, to see. And, um, you know, I think the person that influences me a lot is, is really the athletes themselves. Uh, the athletes themselves are the ones that influence me to figure out the answers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really about, about them being the best and, and trying to get them to understand, um, you know, how they see what they see and understand the language that works for them to get them to perform at that level. So I've learned a lot from, from different athletes and a variety of different, different guys. Um, so I, I would probably say they're probably the most influential, uh, uh, outside of my father. Well, in your opinion, from just your years of experience, what would you say is the biggest mistakes you've seen people make when it comes to vision training, if any? Um, let's see, that's a good question. The biggest mistakes that I see uh, is not engaging the visual system and the brain. And what we'll see a lot is, um, you know, whether you like them or not, you know, I know there's the controversy of ladder drills. You know, that's a simple one. Uh, guys looking down at the ground. You don't play sport looking at the ground. Um, you know, I, I see things with, um, you know, stimulus that people try to put out there. And it's like, you know, it's really not the stimulus that they're going to get in, in a sport. So, um, you know, and I know there's a big push for repetition without repetition, you know, kind of thing, um, and trying to do it in a real life situation. And um, look, I, I'm all for real live learning, but that's not the learning lab. And you want them to learn the process so that they can take it in that situation better. So I think when it comes to, to uh, you know, strength and conditioning guys, I'm not sh I think that the, the biggest mistake is they don't put enough emphasis in what is the eyes doing at, the get at that given moment. I think in the time of, um, with an optometrist, they don't understand what the sport is as well. And they don't understand the athlete demand uh, of what it needs to be. And so they get caught up in vision therapy uh, stuff and not understanding um, you know, the sport itself. And I think that makes us pretty unique um, and fun at the same time. I, I, I've been to meetings, I've listened, I've, I've heard different people and, 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 you know, there's people on the medical side that really into the research, which is great. And there's people who are, um, you know, just want to get into sport because they think it's fun, you know, and it's great. But, but I think they're missing a lot of boat, uh, of the boat of, you know, really understanding and diving down what's going on. Um, 
and I think also the biggest mistake and that I see is everyone wants a single fix. They want the magic pill, the magic device that's going to make them or their team better. And there's nothing out there. I, I've seen things come and go. Um, and I think a lot of it is, uh, can be used properly. I think a lot of things are used improperly. Um, you know, I know some people don't like reaction lights. Well, you know what? I, I've had them forever. I like them and I hate them. Uh, I think if you use them wrong, they're, they're, they're worthless. But if you use them right, you can get some really good value out of it. But I don't use it with every athlete. Um, you know, I, people laugh at me because I have a cart full of stuff. Uh, a bag full of, of magic tricks, I call them. And I, you know, I don't know what I need for each athlete to get them to perform at their best. So they think there's this one way of doing stuff for these athletes and there's not. We have to discuss, we have to look, we have to understand what's going on and then how we can enhance that to, to make them better, not me better. Is there common trends you see among different athlete population groups, like say, baseball players in comparison to basketball, in comparison to American football, in comparison to soccer, in comparison to hockey. And then also, is there a, now I know it's a generalization, but it, would, would you see a certain trend too between males and females, at least in terms of their visual capabilities? That's a good question. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think sometimes uh, there are in the sports, different sports because of the different demands that they have. And I think you have a survival of the fittest. Uh, in there. And when it comes to males and females, um, you know, at the higher level, there's probably, um, and let's just say collegiate. Okay. A a good collegiate, uh, division one team, a baseball team versus a division one softball team. You might see a little bit better eyes in the division one baseball team because it's a little bit of uh, a bigger population and you have to survive, uh, the fittest in a sense where, where the females, at the top, you'll see some great visual skills. And, you know, usually, you know, one or two people on a team to me have superior visual skills. Um, you know, at the higher level and a pro baseball team, yeah, you got a little bit more. Um, when, when you compare position from hockey position player to goalie, uh, goalies have a higher, you know, way better visual skills than, than a position player. Um, does the position player need better visual skills? Look, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to make their sport worse. Um, and I think that it would enhance them to be a lot better um, processors. And, and, you know, you take guys like uh, Wayne Gretzky, who wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but man, his, his ability to see the, the ice and react and, and process information uh, it was way up there. Um, guys like, um, Barry Bonds in baseball uh, had some of the best visual skills we've ever seen. Um, you know, now he's got other stuff, strength and speed. And, and uh, but, you know, my father actually evaluated him when he was a minor league player before he made it to the big leagues and said, this guy's got phenomenal vision. Um, and when we say phenomenal vision, it's not just clarity. Uh, it can be, you know, unique, you know, a variety of different skill sets, but he also knew how to use his vision. So, yeah, I, th- I think there is a variety in, in different sports, but I do think some of the more consistent athletes, the cream, uh, um, the, you know, the, the, the top, they'll tend to have these visual skills that they may not realize they have them, but when evaluated and compared, you'll see a, a better level. Now, 
Does it mean you have to have them to, to be great? No, like I said, some, some athletes are just smarter or freaks or, or just, um, you know, they figure out a, a, another way to do it. But, um, you know, the eyes lead the mind and the body. So if we can get that to be better, hopefully everything else will be more consistently better. Great stuff. On a podcast you're doing with Clint McGill, the, the Strong Mind podcast, towards the end, you gave an example of, yeah, you got him to look at your hands while you also gave some verbal cues. And you spoke about how in sport, a lot of athletes, they become blind to actually what's going on around them because they're so focused in on, on what's being kind of shouted to them from the sidelines by the coaches. So they're like their perception from a visual standpoint, they almost become blind. So can you just touch on that? Cause I thought that was super interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is fascinating. And uh, you know, we, especially in youth sports today uh, forever, you know, we got all these parents yelling, my, you know, coaches yelling, you got, uh, and this isn't even just the athletes, this is the umpires and the referees, you know, that are out on the field as well. And, you know, we're, we're yelling at an umpire for making a mistake, but is he supposed to be focused on you or he's supposed to be focused on, on the ball or, or the action of the play? And we think we're, we are superhumans. We think we can focus on everything, but we really can't. Now, we can focus a little bit of everything, but never get a full picture of everything. So if we're kind of that split personality, and I think about like a power source, if we have our power split amongst five different things going on yeah we, we'll get by but it's not going to be the efficient efficiency that we need it to be when we have that motor and that energy focused on the task at hand that's where we're we're going to be efficient and you have to decide what that task is and that task can be an auditory task it, i doubt it's a smell task in sports i doubt it's a taste task now in wrestling it might be a feel task. It's not about sight. It's about feel. Um, and we have to think about, you know, again, where that, that energy is going. And if it's not on the visual task at hand for most of these sports, we're, we're just getting general information. And best way to, you know, there's a couple of ways to describe it. And it's hard to do what I do with Clint uh, on a audio. But if I asked you two math problems and I gave you one with my hand, and one with my voice, and I told you to add them up. Uh, I want one for two answers, one for my hand, one for my voice. Most people get lost. They have no idea because they bounced around. They went from hearing to vision, hearing to vision. And a lot of times we'll get them moving too. Um, and they just become a, a, a mess, okay? Now, if I get them focused on my hearing, they go what we call functionally blind. And this can happen even driving. You're listening to music. And all of a sudden you go, how the heck did I get here? You know, and it's, it's like, I hope I didn't hit anyone back there. And it's not that your eyes weren't looking down the road. You weren't in, what I call inhaling that visual information because you were so highly tuned to what you were listening at. Now, on the other side of it, if you get highly visual, sometimes you don't even hear what's going on. And this is what athletes talk about. Man, do you hear the crowd noise? Not really. I'm not paying attention to it. I'm not tuned in. I'm not putting my energy into listening what's going on. My energy is into what I'm trying to see. And so there's a balance that has to be there of how to control that. Now, it's not just look. And that's what a lot of people say is just look at it. You know, I always joke around in baseball. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of 
you know, coaches will say, hey, watch the ball. Well, no, duh. You know, uh, we know we're supposed to watch the ball, but how do we do it is really that question. So it's not just staring at it. It's really learning how to control the two eyes to be aimed in the right spot and not be focused on what I'm listening to. And here's an example. And, you know, you and I are a little bit on video, but people can do this at home is I want you to spell California backwards. But before you do that, I want you to look at something across the room. And do not take your eyes off that object and go ahead and spell California backwards now. Spell it, go ahead and spell it out loud for me. A-I-N-R-O-F-I-L-A-C. Okay. Now, what, what you did towards the end and what most people did probably, they noticed is they looked off. They looked away. Mm. And... And we lost eye control when we started thinking. And as we're thinking, we, that, that can happen in the game. On the other side of it, when you were doing that, the object you were looking at probably kind of faded. You probably didn't see it nearly as sharp as you might have saw when you first looked over there. And so there's kind of this energy system of how much we see and how much we don't see and how much we, what we call inhale and exhale visually that's important to performance. So if we're being distracted, whether it's, it's someone yelling at us or if it's how we feel, my, my knee hurts, or if it's I'm thirsty or I'm tired, uh, that can all take away from that visual power that needs to be there in performance. Super interesting stuff. And just with regards to your work, do you work exclusively in person or do you work with at least online? Well, we are doing some online stuff now. Um, We've been forced to push into it a little bit more. It's something I've always wanted to do, but now uh, the, the way the world is, it's made me do it a lot more. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, personally, you get, we obviously get more value because we can see and we can evaluate better in person. Um, I do travel uh, across the world uh, with teams and, and do some of those things. But we are, uh, like I said, we're, we're creating some virtual programs, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's some group training, uh, we've been working with a team, um, beta testing some of it with a, a youth baseball team. And we were doing uh, eight week programs, uh, once a week programs with their coach and their and the kids. And we're giving them training sessions that they do during the week. So we have an athlete management program that that uh, utilizes visual tr- training drills. And those kids go in through their athlete management system after our, our webinar with them, and then they go in and do their training. Super stuff. Um, just wrap it up here with a few, well, I'd say they're, they're quick fire, but your answers can be as, as long as you want. What would you say have been the biggest lessons you've learned so far in your life and career? They could be one, two, three, four, as many lessons as you like. Your, your top one or your top ones biggest lesson i've learned uh, life or coaching or anything doesn't have to be just exclusively to the performance realm that's a that's a good question i'm not sure i have a really good answer on that um let me think about that um i, I think i don't know if this is something i've learned or something i've learned more about myself um is is being adaptable and, um, you know, not being 
being stuck in one way of saying something and, and, and not being stuck in one way of seeing something as well. So it's really, um, you know, adapting to the situation, adapting to the environment and adapting to the athlete themselves and, and really, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to, to be helpful to people at the same time. So I don't know. Um, that's a, that's a tough question for me to answer. So yeah, I I think in in another, and you can cut this and, and, and do this. I think here's something that's a little bit more personal. Um, One lesson I've learned is don't take anything for granted. Mm. And um, when I say that, obviously I, I, I lost my father uh, a year and a half ago uh, due to cancer. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of great times with him and, uh, we traveled a lot together. We bounced a lot. He was my best friend. He was, uh, you know, someone I could get frustrated with. We, we fought all the time. Um, and you know, it's, you you never think it's going to go away until it does. And, um, so you don't want to take things for granted. And, and another note to that as a vision specialist, um, of all things, I actually had eye cancer myself self. And, um, so I don't, I've learned, um, really, I, it's kind of an interesting situation is, you know, learning from my dad, I always have pretty good eyes, have a very good visual cognitive system. But when I start losing depth and I start losing what I see out of my left eye, I realize how important what I'm really doing to these athletes, because I've seen the best and i and I see the worst, uh, of how a visual system can, can, uh, can work. So, you know, taking your eyes for granted is something that athletes do and they don't realize that this visual system uh, can be hugely important to their success. And I have a lot of athletes that I've worked with over the time, over years that may not have listened to me or I thought listened to me or may have listened to me. And they always come back and say, Ryan, God, that stuff you taught us was really, really good. That, that helped my career. And, and I said, well, why don't you stick with it? Well, because someone's telling me my mechanics need. All right, you're back on, bro. Yeah, I think uh, the other, you know, grateful reason is, uh, you know, I, I, as a vision guy, I had eye cancer, very rarity, and um, I, I had a tumor in my left eye, and and it was radiated, and now I don't see as well, and my depth perception's been thrown off because of it. And so I, I've had a greater appreciation uh, of not only athletes themselves, but what I do in training. And I've always had good vision, um, you know, good processing skills. And now having that taken away from me, I've really, you know, realized how important, uh, even at another level, how important the, the two eyes working together is and, and the, the impact that it can have on, on an athlete and their career. Um, there are quite a few athletes that themselves not necessarily have what I had, but, um, you know, have either gotten hit in the eye and, and have never been able to continue their career because of eye damage. So, um, I think that's, you know, a thing that people don't appreciate enough is their visual system and how fragile it is and how important it is to their, to their performance. So if I was to ask you for your top resources now, what I mean by this is, it could be an, a person, a course, whether it be in live or online. It could be a book. It could be 
some sort of um, video resource, anything, what would be your top resource you would suggest to an individual if they, if they were to come to you? And it doesn't just have to be limited to the performance realm. It could be a life resource or whatever you think would benefit any, any individual. I know some people, they answer this by, well, it depends on who the individual is and where they're in their life. But do you think there's, is there one all-encompassing resource you think anyone can get some benefit from? You know, I, I think today's world, um, there's, there's a lot of great resources out there and I don't, it's hard to, to say, is there one great resource? I think, uh, you know, podcasts that are out there, um, I, I think are phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the zoom meetings that people are putting on, um, you know, the, the books that people are writing. I, I think there's so much great access to great information. Uh, the challenge is really learning how to sift through all that information and how you're going to, um, you know, put it into play, whether it's life or whether it's sport or, or anything else. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you, you know, that my, this is me is it's like, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole cause I'm not sure if I a hundred percent believe in it and maybe I should. And maybe I shouldn't. So I think the, the challenge is deciding what is the good stuff and what's not the good stuff. And as an athlete, I would think about, you know, where, where am I in my level of sport and what do I need to do to get to the next level? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that may be a, a, a variety of different things, but, you know, I go back to something I talk with my athletes a lot about is what is your task? And that's what, what your goals are but what's your task and looking at your task in life or learning at your task as a, um, as an athlete. And, you know, is my task, my goals are to be better. My goals are to get on base. My goals are to, to score more goals, but that's, those are goals and not task oriented. So whatever can help me get accomplish the task that I need at, at that given moment is, is going to be the best resource. Um, I do personally think um, I've listened to a lot of podcasts that have nothing to do with sports that have uh, a lot to do with neuroscience. I have some that have a lot to do with business itself. Um, and I, I love taking information from different kinds of uh, uh, information and, and applying it to what I do. And so I think that's what I would encourage is probably the best resources. A lot of podcasts out there right now, which is tough because there's not a lot of time to listen to them all. Yeah, definitely. What is your current and top reading recommendations? If you have any. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of the book I'm thinking of right now. Um, that's right. If you can't think of it, you can always just send it to me and I'll put in the show notes. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I think, uh, one of the ones that I really enjoyed is extreme ownership by Jocko uh, and um, Willink. I think it is Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, you know, for me, um, you know, it's, it's a good life lesson and, and taking ownership and, and who you are. And I think athletes need to understand, look, we're all here to help, but you have to take ownership of your, of yourself. And you got to figure out the right answers to do that. Don't blame other people. And I think that's a, um, I think there was some great, great information in that book. I think there's, you know, there's some books out there um, that 
you know, sports specific um, that talk about technology, talk about, you know, the sport gene and stuff like that. And I think there's some good information out of there. I think it, people need to be careful of not making it the Bible. And um, so learning to, you know, get, get the information out of any book you read is, you know, synthesize it. And just like I said in the podcast, synthesize it and, and, and take it uh, to your next level. You know, for us uh, in the sports vision world, uh, there's not really a lot of uh, great information books out there. There's some good books, but um, there's not one resource that's, that's the, the Bible of sports vision. Um, you know, we've written a couple books that aren't really sports vision related as, as far as um, this is how you do it, but this is how athletes did it. And this is, these are some scenarios that they use these kind of uh, techniques or, or training to get themselves to another level. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't post a lot of what we do, but I think a lot of people have gotten some good information out of our books. But if I had to say one good book for myself was probably extreme ownership. Great stuff. All right. Last two questions for you. You are getting on the USS enterprise and it's a one-way ticket to the stars, um, and it happens in one year's time. So you're going to leave planet Earth forever to boldly go where no human's gone before and never return. So you're not dying, but you're never coming back to planet Earth. What would you do in that final year? <laughs> Probably travel the world. Mm. I would uh, explore and learn as much as I can uh, of different cultures, different views. And, um, and I, I think, um, if I was never going to come back and I was still alive, I would always have those memories and all those visualizations that I can go back to of seeing the world and seeing more sports. Yeah, that's great stuff. Final question. Uh, I'm going to take you for dinner and I say, Ryan, you can invite anybody you want to this dinner. You have five guests that you can bring. And the guests can be dead or they can be alive and they can be a fictitious character or they can be a real life person. Um, but they can be dead or alive. Five guests. Who would you, who would you bring to the dinner? That's a good question. Um, of those five people, um, I, narrowing it down would be a challenge. I think what I would probably... Uh, want to do from a from what I as a personal level um, is I'd like to take five great athletes and um, I, there's more than five so I, I think it's hard for me to narrow it down but some of those great athletes are not the the ones that we know um, I'd love to have um, some of the top uh, special force guys uh, generals and mm. um, I've been lucky to be around a few um, and they're very fascinating um, and I, I love to learn and I think an example, and, and I know this is a little bit off the, the question, but, um, you know, I got to meet a long range shooting instructor that, um, competed at a very high level, uh, in competition. And it, it's very satisfying and fun to understand how what it takes for him or what he did to perform at that high level and and figure out how to apply that to the other athletes that we work with so 
I don't know if I have five specific guys that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, but that obviously our leaders in their market is, is, uh, of whatever they do is, is the people that I want to be around. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ryan, that's all I have for you today. And um, if people want to find out more information about you, uh, where should they go? Well, we got, I have two websites. One is slowthegamedown.com, which is what my dad and I put together. Uh, we have that all on Instagram and, and, and Twitter and all that. Um, and then we have a new division that we've created called ndvperformance.com. And NDV Performance is really a neurodynamic vision. And this is going to be kind of our education portal and our training pro, uh, portal for athletes across uh, – athletes, coaches, doctors, uh, uh, anyone who's interested in sports vision. That, that will be kind of our marketing um, avenue for, for that industry. Great stuff. And I'll be sure to link all up in the show notes. So for everyone listening, that was a great discussion that we had with Ryan and no doubt I'll have him back on in the future. And be sure to check out his website, his resources and social media. And once again, I'll have all that linked up into the show notes. Ryan, is there any final thoughts you want to part with the listeners? No, I think, I think the biggest challenge that I would ask you is whatever you're doing, um, you know, whatever sport you play or, or whatever job you have is just kind of, give a little thought about the visual demands and how you can, um, you know, possibly tinker with that to, to make someone better. I think if you're a strength and conditioning coach, how can you add a visual piece to the, the training that you're doing? Um, and if you're the athlete, how can I add a visual component to perform at a higher level or coach? Um, you know, what, what does my team need to do to reduce their, their errors, their mistakes and, and how we can get their vision to, to perform at a high level. It's kind of the secret that a lot of top athletes don't talk about. We take it for granted, like I said, and I, but I think it's a great opportunity for, uh, for everyone to make themselves better. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your time too. So for everyone listening, until next time, take care, be well, and stay strong. Mm-hmm.